everybody. This is Rodrigo. Uh, we are starting a new segment of our podcast, if you will, that we're calling Ether Talks. And basically what it is, is we're asking people who feel very passionate about a biblical topic or a ministry or something that they just feel passionate about in general to come and talk to us about it and have a discussion about it. And for our very first Ether Talk, we are very honored uh, to have a very good friend of mine, uh, Johnny Reus, who is a minister in the Palm Beach Church. He is the college and young professionals minister at that church. And uh, I, I love this man. He and I have a long, long history. When I met him, he was a rude little boy. <laughs> and he is now a, a grown man. Actually, when I was a youth minister, uh, the first time, because I've been a youth minister multiple times, but the first youth ministry I ever led, he was part of, and uh, I studied the Bible with him. I helped him become a Christian, and uh, he has grown a lot. Uh, his close friends call him Pequeño Juan, but to everybody else, he is uh, Johnny Reyes, and uh, we are honored to have him here. And he is going to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit, more specifically, uh, the Holy Spirit in the first three chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 through 3. And uh, first of all, Johnny, why don't you tell us why you became passionate about this topic? Yeah, man. Uh, it's good to be here. Good talking to you about this. Uh, so, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I read uh, Francis Chan's book, The Forgotten God. I thought that was a really cool title for a book. <laughs> and I felt like it was, uh, you know, accurately titled uh, from my perspective. It was not, the Holy Spirit was not something that I, I felt like I knew a lot about knew much about. So I read that. Uh, I was pretty amazed by, by that book, all the stories in it, uh, just his perspective on the transformative impact that the spirit was supposed to have in our lives. And that kind of sent me in a little journey trying to study it out. Um, but I don't know, I think at first, uh, studying out the Holy spirit was pretty intimidating to me. I didn't really know where to start and how to do it. And it wasn't until, man, I don't know, maybe late last year, earlier this year, I, uh, I, I was listening to the Bible project guys and then they did a, they did a series on the Holy spirit. And, uh, I just felt like the way they went about presenting the spirit was really, uh, effective in and refreshing. helping you understand it and refreshing. Yeah. So I kind of went about it that way. And, uh, I was actually, uh, a few months back, I was, I was sharing it with, uh, with my boss, pastor Ralph, Rev Ralph about, uh, about some of the things that I've been learning about the Holy Spirit. And he was just like, yeah, you want to do a, a two-month series for the church on it. Um, so he basically gave me the task to do that. And then I really had to become passionate about the Holy Spirit <laughs> uh, in order to teach 200 people every week for two months. Um, and I'm actually, you know, I, I've been, so that's what I've been doing all summer, studying it out, presenting it to the church. It turned into a three-month series. Um which I think just goes to show how much I've been uh, diving into it and how much I've been learning and appreciating all of this. Um, I had to ask for an extension, <laughs> uh, but it's been great, man. It's been really cool. And I've been learning a lot. It's, I, I think it's really transformed my perspective on, on Christianity, um, uh, on my view of God. So it's uh, yeah, man, it's, kind of like a, like a catalyst in my spiritual walk with God, I think, going forward. Well, I do, before you get into it, I do want to say this, because I think um, for everybody listening out there, I, I 
I was very excited to sort of start with this particular topic because I feel like in many ways um, we don't do the spirit justice a lot of times. And I think specifically in the sense that to a lot of us, the spirit, the spirit is this very mysterious thing and it's supposed to be a big part of Christianity. But at the same time, I think it's a part of Christianity that a lot of people don't really understand. And it's kind of like having a super nice car that has all of these functions and you sit in it and you just don't know what to do with them. <laughs> and you drive the car and the car could possibly go 500 miles an hour, but you drive it at 10 miles an hour. <laughs> and I think that's how a lot of people feel about the spirit. Like we have this thing yeah. inside of us yeah. and we don't know what to do with it. And like God has yeah. given us like the nicest Ferrari and we drive it at 10 miles, not 10 miles an hour. And I think that's, uh, I love talking about the spirit. I think it's a yeah, topic that uh, we don't cover it with enough depth. And certainly we don't talk about it in a, uh, many times in a, in a <laughs> sense of how it can really be useful to us and what does, what does it really do? So with all that said, why don't you talk to us, talk to us a little bit about what you've learned and what you've taught. Yeah, of course. Uh, so my goal of this class was to uh, start talking about the Holy Spirit at the very beginning. Uh, really understanding the familiarity that we have with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Uh, but really not understanding how the New Testament authors and uh, people, like how their understanding of the Holy Spirit was built for them to teach what they taught or talk about it the way they talked about it. You know, even Jesus, how he talked about the Spirit, all of his understanding was formed based on his understanding of the Old Testament uh, right. view of the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to start in the very beginning. And uh, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. You know, uh, and the Hebraic understanding of the Holy Spirit and the acts of the Spirit in the Old Testament are really foundational to everything in the New, right? So my, my focus was first to, to start in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, Genesis, the first three chapters of Genesis kind of illustrate the role that the Spirit will have throughout the entire Bible, right? So it starts... Uh, and I'll just read the first two verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit was, of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, so it starts there, right? The Spirit of God was ho hovering over the waters. And from then on, you see that creation begins to take place. And God says, this will be formed, and so it is formed. Um, but I, I think what's crucial to do here is kind of understand what 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 spirit means in Hebrew and what the word is, right? Uh, in, in Hebrew, the word is ruach, and it means wind and breath. Um, that's That was the, the natural word for wind and breath that was used to explain the spirit of God. Right. And, uh, I think the reason why that word is specifically used is to illustrate a very powerful and invisible force. Um, and going forward, you see how understanding what that word means, how it plays a part in so many of the things that go on throughout the Bible. So in verse three says, God said, let there be light. Kind of just the idea of from God's verbalizing 
you know, let there be light, the spirit through his breath goes around and kind of orchestrates and creates uh, light. And, you know, it starts to kind of reorganize creation. And in, in the very beginning, you see that the heaven and the earth was there, but it was formless. It was empty. You know, there was no order to anything. And it was through the spirit that God kind of like reorganized everything. So that, that's what you see in chapter one is God creating everything through, through his breath, through his spirit, right. bringing order to, to chaos, right? Bringing beauty to, to chaos. Um, and then in chapter two, you see uh, kind of like the retelling, an alternate retelling of creation. And I'll read that because it, it kind of gives you a, a new perspective on, on the work of the spirit. Uh, so in verse five, it says in chapter two, in verse five, it says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground, but the streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. And the man became a living thing. You know, that's the word Ruach. That's the word for spirit there. Right? So here you have uh, an introduction of the spirit where it, with all of its capabilities and power, it really creates everything. It creates the stars. It creates the world that we know. It brings order into all of that. And then it brings life into humanity. Um, Studying out that verse in verse seven uh, was pretty remarkable just to see like the Hebraic breakdown of, of that, of that scripture really talks about, you know, God creating man from, from dirt, you know, inanimate object. He formed it. Uh, the Hebrew word for God formed a man has, has everything to do with a potter kind of like molding its clay. Oh, that's right? pretty kind cool. Of, yeah. That, that's if you do a cross check with, you know, your, um, you know, if, if you do a cross check with every other time that word is used, it has to do with a potter and the clay, right? So God formed man from dirt and it was inanimate, you know, nothing to it, but it was through his spirit that gave life to to man he breathed into the to the nostrils of mankind and mankind came to life uh earlier in chapter one it says that all living things have the breath of life in it right so every living creature on this earth that moves has god's spirit in it sustaining their life you read in job you read in psalms it talks about how it's it's the breath of life that sustains all creation if god removes his spirit from them they go back into the dust, right? So really the concept of creation or the, yeah, the concept of the spirit starts with bringing order into things. Um, it starts with giving life and sustaining life. And without it, there is no life, right? It really builds an intimate connection. The spirit builds an intimate connection with God and, and his creation. So before we started recording, one of the things uh, I asked you as we were sort of preparing for this was um, the fact that basically the spirit, as you're talking about it now, right? And mm-hmm. the spirit being sort of this thing that brings order to chaos and something that gave, I guess, us life remains the same mm-hmm. for us now. Yeah. And yeah. so how do you think, I guess, now that we live we live in a little bit more of an ordered world and now that we've been alive for many millennia as people like how do you think that now the spirit sort of plays into that now especially now that 
we're sort of in the new covenant, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, um, well, this is what happens, right? You have, in the first two chapters of Genesis, you have God creating uh, his perfect creation, his perfect world. You know, he views humanity, he views his creation as very good. He is pleased with it. He, everything that he's created is as it's intended to be until chapter three. Right. Chapter three comes in, you have the fall of humanity, you have where his creation is really corrupted um, and it has become vandalized and all of that. So from that point on, what you see throughout the rest of the Bible, you see it throughout the Old Testament and you see it carried out through the New Testament. It's the Holy Spirit with that same idea of bringing order into chaos and kind of like restructuring things to make them how they're supposed to be. It's the same concept, except that in this way, it's you know, it's really trying to rewrite the wrongs of sin, uh, of the corruption. It's trying to bring people really back to the first two chapters of Genesis. Um, oh, that, dude, that's awesome. That's like a pretty cool thought. Yeah, so that that has not changed, right? I mean, sin is still very much an active part of our lives, and this, that's what the Spirit is trying to re reconstruct, reorganize, um, so yeah. Right, so let me clarify something for the people who are listening sure. to us, because um, obviously, as you say, the God sort of used the spirit in creation. Yeah. And then basically from, I guess, the Garden of Eden and everything that happened there until Jesus comes along, mm-hmm. the spirit, like in the Old Testament, some people, the, the spirit comes and rests on them. And we'll get into that in a second here. Yeah. Comes and rests on them. But now that Jesus came and he died for us and he, uh, and he died for our sins and we get to, our sins get to be remitted and he died so that we could be with God and all that stuff. Part of what happens when we become Christians, when we become his disciples, is that we receive, this, the, we receive the Holy Spirit. Again, the same uh-huh. spirit that was there in creation and that, that God used and all that stuff. And basically what you're saying is that the same function that the spirit had in Genesis one through three is the same function that the spirit has in our lives when it comes and rests on us. Yeah. Once we're baptized and our sins have been remitted and it does the same thing. It both sort of brings the messiness of our lives into order. Yeah. And it gives us in a sense, new life. Yeah. Dude, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and again, it I think is. That's, that's the kind of thing that we don't necessarily think about. Like we don't, we don't talk about that. We don't talk. We don't see the spirit in that way. We don't necessarily talk about it in that way. But it's it's kind of and and then it makes it makes scriptures like when when Paul says that you know the spirit is a spirit of uh, discipline mm-hmm. and it's a spirit of perseverance. Like it it makes stuff like that make more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, in my studies and really understanding the role of the Spirit in the Old Testament um, and seeing how uh, the concept of the Spirit just evolves through time throughout the Bible. By the time you get to, you know, Pentecost, where, where everything kind of goes down and it uh, kind of opens the door for a new reality with the Spirit, man, interpreting those scriptures going forward become so much clearer, right? right? Uh, because it's not like everything changes, really what you just have is a continuation of, of, you know, new teachings building on old teachings, right? right. So it kind of just builds, it follows the same pattern, 
new things are introduced, but things don't completely change in that sense, you know? Uh, so it makes it really easy to understand really what, what New Testament authors are, are trying to emphasize uh, when they talk about the spirit. But, you know, you mentioned the whole idea of the spirit resting on, you know, people in the Old Testament and how now like people received it and receive it in the New Testament. I think that's a really interesting concept. You know, before I used to think that the Holy Spirit would only come upon Old Testament believers, right? It would only come upon them. But you actually see like an alternation of descriptions on how the spirit comes upon people, right? I mean, you have Joseph, he was described as being filled with the spirit. Uh, he was able to tell dreams. You have people who are like Gideon. He was the, the spirit clothed himself with Gideon, uh, which is a really like cool uh, way to put it. You have people who had the spirit come upon them. You had spirit who, whose spirit, you know, fell upon them. You had people who, who had the spirit in them. You know, I, I believe uh, Joshua is talked about as having the spirit in him. Um, in Deuteronomy, God tells Abraham or God tells uh, Moses to take from his spirit, to take it and uh, distribute it among the 70 elders of Israel. So, mm. and you have some people who had the spirit with them for, you know, for a specific task just to accomplish something. And then right. some people had the spirit with them and it just resided within them, right? Moses had the spirit with them throughout, you know, his quote unquote term as uh, the leader of Israel. You had Mo or you had David who had his spirit throughout his life. Um, Samson, you know, talks about having the spirit come in and out of him, you know, um, and then you have Saul who had his spirit for a little period of time. And then because of, his sin, God removed his spirit from, from him. him. Right, right. You know, uh, so it's really interesting to see how the spirit works in the Old Testament. Yes, and and now when we receive it, it's with us. Yeah. Uh huh. And and you know, it's interesting you bring up these people because these these were all leaders uh, in the Old Testament that either, like you said, had a task or were kings or were all these different things. And I recently had this thought, my good friend, Pequeño Juan. Um, I, I guess I'll give you the whole story. I don't know if I should, but I, I will. We, we, we will see how this goes. <laughs> I don't want to give all the, all the stuff away. I'm, I'm going to try to be as, as vague and as specific as I can. I was oh, at a meeting, and we were talking about a, a goal that the church wanted to put for itself. And... Um, I was a little, uh, I don't know what the word is. It, it made me think. It's probably the fairest way to to characterize it. Because during the this meeting, one of the things that was said is that, you know, this goal um, was from the spirit. And I don't know if it is or it isn't. It's not really the, the point. The point is, is that who came up with this goal was uh, was one of the leaders in the church. Uh-huh. And um and it made me think because I was like if if we were and this is basically what I'm getting at. Forget the story. Let me let me tell you what I'm getting at. In the okay. Old Testament, uh the the spirit came and rested on very few people. Yeah. 
and it came and rested on them for a specific task for a specific time period, right? Uh-huh. And because of that, those people had a very had a unique perspective, a unique uh, power, a unique ability to do certain things. And so it was very much within reason for the people to listen to this one person. Uh-huh. Right? And so this yeah. this model of leadership, if you will, in which the spirit comes and rests upon one person and therefore giving that person a, a certain type, a, a special kind of authority, really, it, it would make sense for, again, for the people to look upon that person and be like, oh, man, this person is special and therefore we should listen to them. I think now that Everybody in the Christian community, right? Uh-huh. Theologically speaking, has the spirit. It makes that model a little trickier. Okay. And this is basically, and, and again, this meeting that I was in made me think of this because I feel like having that thought, what I just described, the fact that we're now in a community in which no one is special in the sense that we all have the spirit being in a, in a Christian community in which everybody has a spirit. Nobody necessarily per se has this special insight that gives them a special authority where the people will go, Oh man, like we really need to listen to that person. And, and before everybody gets all upset at me, I'm not promoting anarchy. I have a point here. Because I think, again, if you're in the Old Testament model of leadership in which the Spirit comes and rests upon this one person, it it would be incumbent upon the people to go like, man, I need to listen to this person, right? Yeah. But now that everybody in the community has a Spirit, okay, right, I think it flips things on its head a little bit, uh-huh. right? In that now, whoever's in charge ought to be going, man, if we all have the spirit, it is sort of incumbent upon me to maybe figure out, like, who has a special insight or who has been inspired by the spirit to do X, Y, or Z. You know what I mean? And what I mean by that is like, for example, like say the, the function of the church, the function of of the community of believers, one of its biggest functions is to make disciples, to save people, and for all of us to grow closer to Christ, right? And many yeah. times when Paul talks about like the gifts of the spirit, he talks very he talks about it very much in terms of of how it affects the community, meaning that we should all be doing what the spirit is calling us to do because eventually it benefits those things about the church, be it people's maturity, be it people being saved, be it people coming into Christ, being all of these things. Like the community is there and the gifts that the spirit imparts upon those people are all meant so that we can 
come to God and be more like Christ, right? And so then what that means for the people who are in charge is that part of what they or we or however you want to say it ought to be doing is figuring out like, man, like how do we all basically, how do we all, uh, are, how do we are all best served by the spirit to advance the goals that we have as a church, basically, which again, the goal for every church ought to be to make disciples, grow disciples, bring people to God, all of that stuff to teach. The gospel. Yeah. And, okay. and again, what, what, uh, I, I guess what made me think when I was at this meeting is, is sort of like somehow, uh, these one or two people like came up with this idea and, and it wasn't the people that came up with this idea that, that Soros said it, but the people around them, basically what they say is like, oh, this is the spirit. And then they sort of went on to explain why. And I was sitting going like, if we all have the spirit, like what makes this particular idea better than right. everybody's? You know what I mean? And, and again, not, and I'm not, and, I, and I'm not saying that it is what it is. And maybe it is, I don't know. Maybe that person's idea was inspired by the spirit. Right. But, but again, I think if you're in a leadership position, part of what you should be thinking about is like, man, like, how do I, how do I bring forward in a sense, like the way, like if I'm over a congregation of 200 people, right. Mm -hmm. And I know that these 200 people have the spirit in them. How do I, as a leader, tap into the spirit that's in all of those people to advance the kingdom. Like, how do I do it? And I think a lot of times like leaders think, and I, and again, I'm not trying to come down on leadership. I'm, I'm a church leader. Like I'm not, I, and, and I thought about it for myself. Right. You know what I mean, like if I'm leading a church or if I'm leading a group of people, or if I'm leading a small group, how do I inject into my leadership this thought? of we all have the spirit and I may not have the answer, yeah. but one of these people may. And I don't necessarily think that that's usually how leaders think. Usually they right. think of like, I'm going to come up with the answer. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot there. Um, you know, the whole idea of leadership in the old Testament uh, is a little different than I would say leadership in the New Testament because leaders in the Old Testament really were usually the only ones who, who had the spirit come upon them um, so that they could really bring about righteousness and justice to God's people. Um, the kings were actually usually the ones who would receive, uh, you know, aid from the spirit of God. And the spirit or, or the kings had you know, pretty remarkable tasks that they had to accomplish. I mean, they were kind of like in charge of, of the well-being of entire nation, especially when it came to righteousness and justice. And those two words in Hebrew are really important to study out to really understand what it, what it is that they were trying to achieve when it came to righteousness and justice. Like it's not as simple as the definitions that we have for them in our language today. It was very right, specific right. to how God viewed righteousness and justice. Um, but in the new Testament, how, how the um, Jewish people in the New Testament viewed receiving the Spirit, they actually viewed it very similarly to how they viewed the leaders in the Old Testament receiving the Spirit as an act of being anointed, right? The kings would be anointed. So like you see 
Saul, he was anointed and then he received the spirit. Same with David, he was anointed as king and then he received the spirit. Uh, You see that sort of thing happening. You know, Joshua was anointed by Moses. He received the spirit uh, to to lead. So in the New Testament, it's this idea when you receive the spirit, you are now anointed to perform God's task. So at this point, because you have like the masses receiving the spirit, the masses are now anointed. It's not this concept of like, oh, now I get to lead over people. It's more like, no, now I get to accomplish the tasks that God has, God for, this, has for me right? For, for me in this world, right? And, and the tasks are the same for everybody, right? It's to bring about justice, justice in this world. It's to bring about righteousness in this world. You know, it, it is to kind of build unity within the church to, to, to kind of be a light, you know, <laughs> to, to the communities around us. Um, so it's not so much leadership. It's, it's really servanthood. The kings in the Old Testament... They were servants of God. They were servants to the people. They weren't uh, authoritative, you know, leaders necessarily. They, they had authority because they came from God, but they were servant. Like if you think of Moses, for instance, he, no part about him wanted to lead people. No, no part about Adam wanted to be like the center of attention. Like I, I want all the power in the world. In fact, God offered him to to have all the power in the world by being the one who, who would establish the nations and God was going to wipe out the people. And, and Moses was like, no, you, you can't do that. Like, right. you're a God of the people. You're not, you know, a God for me necessarily. So he really sets a standard of like servanthood. And that is like really the exemplary, uh, and same with David, the exemplary figures of like what it means to be anointed by the spirit. Like you're now a servant and you are here to achieve God's tasks and and that's really it. Um, I don't know if that kind of helps yeah no I think yeah thoughts. I think we're talking about the same thing and I think you yeah. even put it better. Um, there is it, it's funny how all these things sort of like build upon each other because Jesus' model of a good leader was like the least of all the servant of right all, you know exactly what I mean? and I think even having that perspective combined with this conversation that we're having about the spirit, right? It's again, like if you are a leader in your church community, I think the question, one of the questions that we ought to be asking ourselves is like, man, like how do I best serve people so that I can bring about and maybe help them or put them in a position in which they can best accomplish whatever task the spirit is given them to do. Yeah. You know what I mean, and I, and I do think, I do think, and again, I, one of the ways in which we started this whole conversation is that we don't, we don't talk about this stuff enough, man. Like, I feel like the more, the more I learn about the spirit, I think the more mindful I am of it in my life. Mm-hmm. The yeah. more I sort of understand what it's supposed to do, the more I understand what it's done biblically, like from beginning to end, the more I'm able to go like, man, like then that means X, Y, or Z for me in, yeah. in my life. You know what I mean? And uh, even uh, us starting ether, you know what I mean? <laughs> this, this dream, this dream of ours to create basically this, this platform to um, basically put, biblical educational content on the internet for the sake of reaching people. Right. 
it came at a very inopportune time. Uh, we've certainly gone after it in not the best of situations. And, and somehow, man, like I feel like for as difficult as it's been to pursue this dream and for as, uh, as big as a dream is, because, you know, one of the things that we want to do with, with this, with what we're doing right now, is, is we have this great opportunity with the internet to reach millions of people, billions, yeah. billions of people, Pequeño Juan. Like, literally, <laughs> at any one point during the day, half the world's population is on the internet. That, to me, yeah. is staggering, right? And if we're here to spread the good news, there's never been in the right. history of humanity a thing that has more reach than the right. internet. And, and so like when I sort of looked at that and when I was like, man, like somehow we need to figure out a way to get the Bible out there using the internet. And I know I'm not the only one and I know that I'm not the only one with this dream, but man, like when I caught that dream, like I really felt like, uh, and again, I don't know if this is true or not. Right. But, but I feel, and I don't necessarily how you would accurately judge this. I feel like this, this dream to build this is from the spirit. Yeah. And when I look, when you, I think when I look at uh, many times the, the direction in which the spirit took people, a lot of mm -hmm. times it took them in a, in that direction, in a very inopportune time, in a time that they didn't necessarily fit to them. But I, and I say all this to all the people who are listening to this is like, I think one of the things that we really have to um, do in our lives is figure out what the spirit is calling us to do. And I think many of us are afraid to go down that path of thought because a lot of times the spirit is calling us to very uncomfortable places. Yeah. And we stink at that. We stink at being uncomfortable. And I think if, if we are going to be a group of people who are really going to make great change in this world, and like you said, like bring justice and righteousness to this world, like, man, we're going to have to be uncomfortable. And I think the yeah. spirit is calling everybody to perform a task mm -hmm. that a lot of times we neither may feel prepared for nor necessarily ready for nor equipped for nor able to do but at the same time like we we sort of had to have to heed the spirit's call and i think if 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 we're here sort of as god's representatives right mm -hmm. uh and if if the spirit is something that brings life and order into the world like we're going to have to be those people absolutely and, and I think even, you know, it's interesting now that I'm thinking about it, even like when you think about the state of the world before sort of God, before God brought forth his spirit onto it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, it was chaos. Yeah. To make order out of chaos is a lot of work, man. <laughs> and it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. And I think, again, like if we're going to be the people of the spirit. Right we're going to have to do very messy things. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. You know, and even to, uh, just to talk about what you mentioned regarding like, you know, you feeling like what you're doing is, is kind of like a thought or an ambition that came from the spirit, right? It's the spirit working within you. And 
oftentimes, you know, what, what becomes complicated to people is them not knowing like, well, how do I know what's the spirit, you know, like what, what's the spirit telling me to do? What, what's just my own ambitions? Like, you know, that kind of conflict that people have within them. Like, how do I know that's work of the spirit or if that's just me or whatever. But what you see in the Bible, which is really cool, is that really how the spirit works is that it influences our own spirit. That, that's kind of how it's described, right? Mm. It, it influences us. Right. So even this idea of like, well, how, for example, for, for yourself, like how do you know that, you know, this is the spirit working through you? Well, you know, as you walk by the spirit, the spirit is influencing the way you think, the things that you feel. So that your decision-making is really the spirit's decision-making almost in a way, right? You can really discern like, man, I, as I'm walking by the spirit, I can see how my mindset is being transformed. And I, I believe that the spirit is leading me to, to do this sort of thing, right? Uh, but then on the other hand, you know, it's, you have to be careful to not deceive yourself to where you make these decisions and you attribute them to like, Oh no, that's the spirit. The spirit wants me to do things. But the truth is, you know, deep down knowing like, I mean, is your life really characterized by, by walking by the spirit? Right. You know, like, are are you like, is your man, like, are, are you trying to achieve, you know, God's tasks, God's will, like is glorifying God, like, you know, the end result of this is bringing about justice and righteousness. The result, like you can match what you're doing to really the patterns of what the spirit is trying to achieve in the Bible. You can compare the two, like, do they go together? You know? Um, and that's how you can kind of discern whether or not you're being moved by the spirit or not. Um, I don't know if that kind of made sense. Um, no, it does. It does. But again, I, I, like, I feel like, I think so many people, um, are afraid both of, of even asking the question and answering it. Yeah. Like, I feel like some people don't even get to the question. And I feel like some people get to the question and feel really afraid of answering it because the answer can have consequence to our life. <laughs> And uh-huh. I think that that makes people uncomfortable. You know what I mean? I think, um, yeah, you know, and I, and I think it's important, man. Like, I think it's, it's, it's something that we legitimately need to spend time, thought, energy, conversation, prayer on. Like, we, we need to, to spend a, a significant amount of effort to figure out, like, man, like, God gave me his spirit. Yeah what am I going to do with it? Like, what am I supposed to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Paul talks about that a lot. Uh, And a a really cool thing about the spirit is that, you know, we we are given a huge responsibility now with the spirit. Um, But what's refreshing about it is that the spirit at the same time is empowering us to be able to accomplish these things, right? We're, we're still, we're not left to our own to figure these things out. It's not like the spirit is just like a list of things that we have to do. The spirit is God's empowering presence in our lives. You know, like the things that, for example, uh, people in the old Testament had to accomplish the Kings, the prophets, all those people had to accomplish. They didn't do it themselves, right? right? <laughs> like all they had to do was obey. And the spirit really did all the work. Like Moses told God, like, I don't want to do this. I'm too afraid. Can you send someone else to do it for me? And God was like, I'm going to do it through you. Like through the spirit, I'm going to do it for you. Just obey. And Moses obeyed every step of the way. And he did amazing things, but he didn't do amazing things. The spirit did amazing. Spirit things. Did, right. 
right? So in the New Testament, you see kind of the same thing where it's just like you have to obey by kind of walking in step with the Spirit, like live according to the way of the Spirit. The rest will be done for you type of a thing, right? The fruit of the Spirit of the Spirit will bear, and you will see all these different things happening. You will see love and patience and kindness and, and justice and righteousness. All these things will kind of take place, and it's not us. It's not us achieving these things. It's a spirit doing these things in our lives. So even like thinking about taking these uncomfortable steps, taking these uncomfortable steps does not mean that, you know, we have to, we have to be the ones to accomplish everything. It's really just taking the step, right? The spirit will do the rest. Like that concept of how the spirit is working is incredibly comforting, you know, incredibly comforting to think about. And just seeing the patterns of how the spirit has worked throughout the Bible to know that that same spirit is working just as powerfully in our lives. You know, it's just comforting to know that, that we can really achieve all these things through it. And we have, you know, we don't have to rely on our own abilities. We, we rely on, on God really. Right. No. And I think, you know, um, you just made me think a while ago, I read this book, man, what was it called? The, it was called the person. I think it was called the person and the power of the spirit. I'm I'm giving it wrong, but the the main point of that book, uh, and I think again, it's something that we don't talk about enough, is um, one of the points that the book made is that we we often talk about um, surrendering our will to God's and surrendering ourselves to Jesus, right? But the spirit is the same. Right. Like if, if the spirit is part of God, then it shares the same nature. Yeah. And our attitude towards the spirit ought to be the same as our attitude towards Absolutely. God. And like certainly one of the things that we continually struggle with with God is to surrender ourselves to him. <laughs> and I think, like you said, we need to really struggle to surrender ourselves to the spirit. And by and large, I think – Many of our experiences is that when we surrender ourselves to God, good things happen. And I think when we surrender ourselves to the Spirit, the same thing should happen. Yeah. You know, the Spirit is God. Uh, I think, especially in our society today, uh, we, we tend to view the Spirit and God as almost different. Different things different beings, different natures, you know, they have different components or whatever. Same with Jesus. We tend to separate, but the spirit is God. Really the spirit is God's presence among us, but a presence that we can handle a presence that won't like absolutely destroy us uh, when we feel it. You know, the scriptures are very clear about what would happen if God came into this world. Right, right, right. You know, if you were to just have a glimpse of God, you would like explode, you know, (laughs) You, you, you don't live God's presence. This is one of the you things can't. that uh, Indiana his, Jones gets right. His fullness, like God's fullness. No one can ever experience that. No creation can experience that. So the spirit is actually God, but it's just, you know, kind of like an ounce of God that we can actually handle that will not absolutely destroy us, but it's God, you know, it's not separate from God. It, it's not like an agent. It's just God. Um, but in a very like, you know, refined, like, I don't know. It's just not his fullness, you know, and same with Jesus. He's not the fullness of God. He is God. Um, 
So it's the same concept, like surrendering to God, surrendering to the spirit. It's all the same. You surrender to spirit, you surrender to God. You surrender to God, you surrender to the spirit. Right. Um, you know, and neglecting right. the spirit is neglecting right. God. Yeah. Right. When we don't think about the spirit, when we don't think about how the spirit is working in our lives, it's like, you're not giving God the credit for a lot of the things that he's doing in your life. It's like, you're really neglecting God's work in your life. You know, God is just, is, he's not a, a distant being that we just pray to. I mean, God is very active in your life right now, you know, right, absolutely. the wind, the breath, like that's God. So my looks, your looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially your looks. Uh, yeah, man. But, uh, <laughs> I think this is a perfect place to close, uh, this here conversation. This has been very good, man. <laughs> I think, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, more than anything, I hope that to the people who will listen to this, at the very least, I think there are people become more aware. And if anything, begin to wonder more about the spirit. Because I think yeah. my experience is like, man, like when I really gave, put time, like there was a, a good, a good maybe three or four years before like I deeply delved into like, man, what is this thing that's in me? You know what I mean? And I feel like once I began that down that rabbit hole, like it just, it was life changing, man. Cause I feel like understanding the spirit really ought to um, embolden us. It really ought to empower us. It really ought to like give us a sense of like how special we are to God and give us a lot of hope and anticipation for like the awesome things that we can do in this world. Yeah. And I think like for, again, for those of you who are listening to this and maybe have never asked the questions about the spirit, I've never wondered about the spirit, have never even uh, tried to figure out like what the spirit is supposed to do in your lives. Like, man, like let this conversation that Johnny and I have sort of be the start of like a deep, deep rabbit hole that will take you to, to awesome places in your faith. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I noticed in setting this out, um, especially in, in the new Testament, um, not having a really grounded understanding on the Holy spirit, right? If we don't really fully understand what, what these authors may mean when they talk about the Holy spirit, you are, I mean, you are misunderstanding and you are missing so much of the Bible, of right. the New Testament. Some of the, so many of the commands, so much of the way of living. I, I mean, we're missing so much of it. I mean, Paul's letters, you know, stand in the foundation of the Holy Spirit and how he views the framework of the work of the Spirit in our lives today. And I mean, I've been kind of blown away by some of the things that I've been learning. And, you know, I've been a disciple for 10 years and now I feel like, this is a new beginning in my spiritual walk. Like, I feel like things are kind of starting over. Not that I, I, I am now a disciple and I wasn't before. That's not what I mean by that. But in terms of my effectiveness as a disciple, in terms of, my, you know, the, the new attitude of perseverance uh, in this world as being a disciple, I mean, so much of it has changed. My understanding of, of who Jesus is and what a disciple is all about now is completely changed. Right. Um, and, and it's just because I now I'm, I feel like I'm building a, a deeper understanding of the spirit. It's a little bit more grounded. It's certainly not complete. I don't know if it'll ever be, but I feel like it's grounded. You know, it's a solid foundation 
uh, to help interpret so many different passages. I mean, things that I didn't even realize talked about the spirit or referred to the spirit, you know, it's about the spirit. It, like it only makes sense if you understand the spirit, you know, scriptures that I, I felt like had nothing to do with it. Um, so anyway, yeah, man, it's, it's so crucial to, to dive deep into the theology of the spirit. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, like I yeah, said, man. this has been awesome. Uh, for those of you who have been listening, thank you so much for listening. And you can look forward to more of these types of conversations. Like I said, this is sort of a, a new segment in our podcast and we're going to be inviting more people to do the same. And I do want to thank you, Johnny, for being here. Uh, yeah, you, you did a great job and I think this has been a very <laughs> good conversation. So thank yeah, you so much absolutely. for listening. For those of you who are listening, we do want to remind you that this is a uh, crowdfunded project. Uh, we are able to do this through your support. And if you want to continue to learn and uh, learn about the Bible and grow in your knowledge of the Bible and grow in your uh, spiritual life, please consider supporting us. You can support us by going to patreon.com forward slash ethermmc. And also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so through uh, social media. We are at ethermmc on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.